You are listening to Black Men in the Right World. Hey everybody, Mike here. And today's a little special, because I'm going to be hosting this episode actually solo, which will be the first time since this podcast has began. Uh, Today I want to talk about something that is very hard to discuss, probably for myself or probably for anyone of that matter, but that is imposter syndrome. Something that I'm pretty sure a lot of people deal with, especially folks that are in some kind of artistic realm, whether it be a musician, a writer, a painter, an actor. Um, I'm certain that people in the technical fields feel this way as well. Education, politics, so on and so forth. Um, And for those who kind of like, I don't really understand what imposter syndrome is. Of course, I'm not going to just give you my definition because sometimes I can never do things justice. So I'm going to take from this article I read from Abigail Abrams uh, two years ago uh, for Time Magazine. Basically, she lays it out uh, that imposter syndrome is the idea that you've only succeeded due to luck and not because of your talents or qualifications, um, but just kind of you just fell into it. The whole idea of this was first identified in 1978 by a psychologist, two psychologists actually, Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes. Um, and in their paper, it's long scientific bullshit that ain't nobody got time to go through. Uh, they basically theorized that women were uniquely affected by imposter syndrome, which is obvious because we live in a world that is kind of designed to benefit men in the patriarchal structure. So why wouldn't women feel that they don't belong in those positions, jobs, or places if that is the way the world's been designed? Now, in an episode in the past, I kind of discussed the crossover between being a black person and also a woman and how detrimental that can be and hard that can be to push through. So for today, I'm going to kind of just focus on imposter syndrome and necessarily how it's affecting me as a black man, but of course, we all have dealt with this in some way, shape, or form, especially women. So basically, the researchers kind of went back and realized that imposter syndrome affects men as well, and even created a test to help you decide whether or not how severe your imposter syndrome is. I'll probably include a link to it somewhere, I don't know, on a blog or some shit. I don't know. You know, everybody work on a lot of things. But I definitely will try to share that with folks so you can find out if you think you are an imposter, which you probably do. Because um, America is intense. But, so imposter syndrome basically can apply to anyone who is, quote, isn't able to internalize their own successes, end quote. And that's from a psychologist named Audrey Irvin. And basically, that's the reality. It's just feeling like you don't belong or you didn't do this on your own or it's it's just pure luck. You didn't earn it. You didn't deserve it. You didn't mean to be there. That's kind of basically what the crux of a lot of things in my life has actually turned out to be. Like, I make the jokes, I'm a token black guy, and oh, I'm one of the only black guys at the school, I'm the only black guy at my job, I'm the only black guy in my household. Like, that, those things are kind of funny, tongue-in-cheek at times, but the reality of it is, this is a level of imposter syndrome that I have kind of developed throughout, you know, society and racism, but also just actually through the physical experience of my life. 
And I mean, to boil it all down, it's not that great. Sometimes I have to sit and wonder, did I receive the things that came in my life, whether it's a job, a degree, uh, an admission to school, uh, certain friendships, or, you know, anything that was positive, did I receive those things only because of some diversity initiative, of some quota, of, of white guilt, of shame of not including me, instead of actually being deserved. Now, I, I've gone back and forth, of course, with a lot of people telling me, oh, it's not true, you earned that, you deserved it. And yes, I do believe that. I do know that I, I have reached a certain level of education. I do know I have put in the hard work and time. I mean, I every job that I probably have held, I received some type of promotion or felt like I left that place with a certain level of knowledge that I didn't enter um, that job with. So I definitely do think that I've earned and put in the hard work and paid my dues, but you can't help but to go back to that place where you wonder, was it all earned because I deserved it or am I just an imposter playing the role of someone who deserves it? Another piece that I found quite interesting is that the idea of imposter syndrome doesn't always fall into a groups of people who are struggling to succeed or struggling to have those merits and those accolades that we celebrate so much in our world. Um, Valerie Young, who's the author of a book called uh, The Secret Thoughts of Successful Women, uh, found several patterns in people who experience these imposter feelings and kind of breaking these down kind of changed my perspective on what I initially thought imposter syndrome fell into. I always thought it was someone who was struggling to reach the first place or who was, you know, in last place and, and almost wanting to give up because they can't just seem to get catch a break. But that is not true. Uh, basically, she breaks it down in a couple groups. The first is the perfectionist. And I know a lot of us consider ourselves perfectionists. Like, I have to do everything and have it right, or I'm going to lose my mind. Every book has to be lined up. All my clothes have to be color-coordinated. I have to have straight A's. So those pe perfectionists, uh, they set extremely high expectations for themselves. And even if they meet 99% of their goals, they're still going to feel like failures. Any small mistake will make them question their own competence. So that basically is another version of an imposter syndrome because they don't have that 100%. There's that one little percent there that they ain't got yet. They're like, oh, I failed. I'm not, I'm not good enough. Uh, so then there's also the experts, which are sometimes people that I butt heads with because they got to know every goddamn thing. But experts feel the need to know every piece of information before they start a project. And they constantly look for like new uh, certi or certifications or trainings or they're constantly trying to find new ways to increase their, their education or to increase their knowledge. They always got to be the smartest person in the damn room. Uh, basically, they won't apply for any job or do anything until they know everything they need to know and meet all the criteria in the posting. Some of us go and apply for jobs and we're like, oh, we got five out of ten. I'm good. That's good enough. No, for these experts, they will not apply. They will not even move forward with the process unless they hit that 10 out of 10. Um, so basically, that person is someone who won't even speak up in a meeting unless they have some knowledge or expertise on the, the topic at hand because they don't want to be afraid 
of looking like an idiot because they don't know what the hell they're talking about. Now, I, I find myself sometimes hopping between all of these different types of <laughs> people who deal with imposter syndrome, which is crazy. Maybe I got multiple personalities or some shit. I don't know. Or maybe this is just a natural uh, state of an American human being who has been put into this crazy system that we can never obtain uh, perfection in. But so those experts are just another idea of the imposter syndrome because they, if they don't know everything, they're not good enough. Another one that she uh, breaks down is called the natural genius. And this is something that I think people always want to say that their kid is. You know, the kid turns three, four, five years old, whatever. They're like, oh, my kid is so damn smart. He knows blocks and shit. And he can tell the different shapes and all of this. He's so smart. And I'm like, your kid is dumb as hell. You just dumber. That's all. So you don't know the difference. But yeah, so everyone thinks that this natural genius or this person who's a natural genius uh, they struggle to work hard or accomplish something because they think um, that that struggle means that they're not good enough. Uh, so, or the lack of struggle means that they're not good enough. And then they, the skills come easy to them. And then when they have to put in a little effort, their brain tells them that they're, they're an imposter. So it's like basically what they say that us millennials are is that everybody keeps giving us all these blue ribbons and shit when we're little kids. And then when we got older, like one thing doesn't go right. And we're like, oh, I'm a dumbass. Like apparently they're calling us all natural geniuses because that's what this (laughs) this group is. It's basically like everything comes easy to them. Everything uh, is natural that the minute that something something involves a struggle it's, they are an imposter. They should not belong there. Um, this is something that I definitely have dealt with. And I don't, and it, it comes back to me a lot because I mean, my mom taught me how to read and write at a very, very young age. So when you, when you start off as like a six-year-old in your kindergarten class, reading books to the class and shit, like that sets the bar at a very, very dangerous place because I went to an all-white school. So if I'm going to an all-white school and I'm pulling some baby Barack Obama bullshit and reading books to all, you know, the other kids in my class. They all stumbling over words and shit. And I'm over here smiling, giggling, and talking about red fish, blue fish, one fish, two fish and shit. And that, that I remember that day kind of set me up for, it, it set me up for a little bit of societal failure. And what I basically mean by that is I started to believe that I was equal to these other kids in my class. I started to believe, oh, you know, I can read these damn books. I can I can count to these numbers. I can multiply already. I can do all these things. I'm smart as hell. I'm 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 doing better than the average kid in my class. So I must be their equal. <laughs> yeah. They t- uh, reminded me real quick after a couple years they're like, "No, nah, nigga, you still a nigga." <laughs> And I think that's that's the difficult part about this imposter syndrome is that a lot of it comes from the fact that it's not it's not even something that necessarily is all my creation. It is clearly we know just based off of history and even what we're dealing with right now, some of this imposter syndrome comes from the fact of that is what I am told. The same way it could be applied to like a woman going through these same emotions or considerations of themselves. Uh, so basically. Yeah, being a natural genius is probably something that a lot of black people have to deal with because we, if you're naturally smart, we're, we think we got it. But the minute we get pulled over and told something different by the authority, we're confused now. 
Uh, another one that uh, she breaks down is called the soloist, which is someone who basically has to do every goddamn thing on their by themselves. They don't want to do it with a team. They don't need to do it with no group. They don't need to do it with no committees. None of that shit. They're like, I can do it by myself, Daniel, and I don't need nobody's help. And basically, uh, the minute they have to ask for help, the minute something does require bringing another person in or another friend or another colleague or something like that, they're like, oh, see, I couldn't do it by myself. I suck, which is a terrible way to think. I think you should, I think you should have the confidence to do things by yourself, but you should have the courage to be okay with not doing it by yourself. Um, because that's, it's so important to work with the team, with the family, with the friend, with the significant other, with your children, with your classmates, your students, your teachers, whatever it may be. Uh, it's, that's the whole way that we will thrive as a, as a human race shit. If we have a community, y'all, we got to do this shit together. So it's like, you, you should have the power to do it by yourself, but you should have the, the desire to do it with others. So basically, yeah. The minute you have to ask somebody for any help, imposter syndrome kicks in. You're not good enough. Then the last one that she breaks down is the superman, superwoman, superperson, who's basically someone that just pushes themselves so hard to the, to the edge. And they work so much harder than those around them to prove that they're not an imposter. They basically feel like they have to succeed at everything. They got to succeed at life. They got to succeed as work, uh, at pa- as parents, as partners. Um, and then they're stressed when they're not succeeding at one of those things. This is something that I'm pretty sure that almost anyone who has been involved in the the generic American education, because I can't speak for education outside of the United States because I haven't experienced it, but basically the education system of the United States basically designs us to, be, to become men and super women basically forcing us to get A's all the time, be the top of your class, want to be a valedictorian, want to get these certain sashes and these ribbons and these certificates, and you got to get all these great merits, the top SAT scores. And if you don't know your math, uh, but you know your spelling and your, your reading comprehension and, and, and whatever else, it, it's not good enough. You got to know it all. You got to know the whole curriculum or you're not going to fully succeed. You want to get straight A's, not, not four A's and, and one B. Um, and basically that sets us up to feel like if we're not good at every little thing, it's not good enough. And that shit is, that is dangerous. That's, that's such a dangerous mindset. Uh, that's kind of like what we create with this like cancel culture. It's like you, if you want to con- claim yourself as a social justice warrior or someone who is for equality or progressive, you got to be progressive at every damn thing. Let let your ass say something that's off kilter about one little topic, one little thing, um, and it's a wrap. You lose you lose your entire title as a social justice warrior, as a progressive person, as a human, as anything. It's all because you fucked up one time. Uh, that that mentality is what is what creates uh, racism. That mentality is what creates misogyny. That mentality is what creates. Uh, a, a detrimental patriarchy. We cannot live like that. We cannot live that we want everybody to get, you got to get straight A's as a human being or you ain't a human being. That's not, that's not how it works. Some motherfuckers going to get some C's. Some bitches going to get some, some, some D's. Some people going to get some S's for satisfactory. Some people going to get no grades at all because they, because anybody messing with them. But 
it does it shouldn't matter based off of off of that ridiculous criteria because all that does is create another form of imposter syndrome so those those are basically all the different uh types of i guess imposter syndromes scenarios that can occur and i'm pretty sure one of them applies to you and i said almost all of them apply to me in certain particular situations so basically how they boil down people experience imposter syndrome imposter syndrome is like there's no just definite answer obviously because not everyone has lived the same experience we should always think about that when you're thinking about me being a black man in the right world uh grant being a white man in, in the right in this world of anyone being a woman, a man, a child, a, a father, a parent, a mother, a teacher, any job, occupation, identity, uh, orientation, anything that you may have, we need to understand that belongs to you and that experience belongs to you. There are things that are going to be similar and may, and certain situations may occur towards you in the same fashion, but how they play out and how you experience them emotionally, physically, whatever are going to be different because everyone has a different human experience. Even families and even your genetics are exactly the same. You're identical twins. There's going to be things that you go through in your life that will be different. Uh, so obviously the imposter syndrome experience is going to be different for everyone. But basically they try to boil it down like it's some type of form of anxiety or, or neuroticism. And but, I mean, we all know that. We all go through these these intense emotions, whether it's like the night before a test and we try we freaking out because you waited four, five weeks to finally write the damn essay and that shit do in two hours. And then you end up actually finishing it. You just stress yourself out. You're like, damn, I could have did that the day I got to receive the assignment. But these things like we are hard to explain because those, those anxieties and those neuroticisms, they just, they come out of nowhere. And, and the whole reason of their ex existence is because they're unexplainable or not preventable or predictable. Um, so that that is kind of how they're, they're claiming that the imposter syndrome is developed. But I'm going to focus on imposter syndrome in relation to uh, probably racism and my identity as a token black man. So uh, for me, it's just, it's hard. I mean, there's there's times even when I created this podcast and started doing this that this whole idea with Grant was like oh man I'm not doing this the right way like you know this ain't gonna make black people be more <laughs> be fuck with me even more this I don't want to make sure I don't like get just, just dismiss a bunch of white people and tell them oh like everything's good and everything's perfect you're not racist anymore I didn't want to like come off to social justice I didn't want to be too uh too vulgar here or too too sophisticated there and you just you come up with a million one scenarios of why you shouldn't do something or why you were not the person to do it and then i was like you know what fuck it just go for it just do it just tell your experience anyway what i'm a writer you're gonna hear it in some form whether it's a screenplay a poem or some other shit so why not speak my truth but it's so hard because of everything that's around us like I can turn on, I can pop up Twitter right now. I can turn a TV right now and there's going to be something on there within that hour or within that thread that is going to have some kind of explanation or some kind of, of rationalization about an identity that I share. And that shit fucks with you. Like when you see, 
When TV tells you more or less, TV and movies and film constantly is showing images of what a black person is globally, internationally, or through media, you start to be like, well, maybe I'm doing something wrong. Maybe because I don't have enough gold chains. Maybe because uh, I I don't come from this neighborhood. Maybe because I don't um, I don't have these certain types of friends or move in these type of circles. Maybe I'm not black, black. Maybe I'm not like a real black person. And that shit fucks with me. It's like, it's crazy that in a world that doesn't want to mess with me because I'm black, I'm not even sure if I'm black to begin with or black enough to begin with. And that shit fucks with you. You don't, you don't want to sit here and, and have to fight for something that you're not even sure if you have full ownership of to begin with. That's, that, that's a serious like psychological um, experience that I think most people don't want to deal with. But hey, I dealt with it. You know, sometimes like to get real with you, it could be it can happen within your family, calling you whitewashed, uh, saying you kissing people's ass, running behind certain types of people, white people, or it could happen uh, in school when you you're battling. You know, you got that one. You're in that class and you're the token black guy, and then that one other black kid comes into the class, or that one other black uh, teacher or coach, football coach kind of tries to compete for the attention with you and you're like I'm not even trying to compete with nobody I ain't trying to fight you but then they're like nah I'm gonna show them who the best nigga is in this room you you end up having those crazy battles and it's it's nuts to me because all that does is, is like it's just us trying to prove that we are human that we exist and that's that's ridiculous that in a world where we have we have so many means to to validate our existence whether it be through sight or touch, or hearing, taste, whatever these things are, these all these different senses, those are all ways to sense our humanity and sense that we are real, but yet we find other cosmic ways that you can't even see or, or sense to try to justify our experience. And it's, it's, it's ridiculous. I know it's foolish, but like I would be, I would be a fool not to, to admit that I do experience this constantly looking for validation from some ominous uh omnipresent black caucus that could apparently passes out black cards to let us know how black we are and that shit is silly because I'm, I'm pretty sure you know with the with the absence of grant it's kind of hard to get my you know my, my white uh counterpart uh opinion but I would I would assume that most heterosexual cisgendered white males and don't really experience all the time not being sure if they are worthy of humanity. Uh, so definitely probably imposter syndrome and not not feeling worthy of the job they may have or some role, but the humanity part. Unsure if you're worthy to be alive. That shit gets dark. And, you know, when you start having those kind of conversations, you start talking to people about that, everybody gets, you know, tenses up. They're like, oh, is this, is he saying what I think he's saying? And it's like, you know, maybe, but like, that's not, that's, that's not what you should immediately jump to. It's just that some people don't feel like they, their, their life matters or their, their value is worthy. 
So that's that's at the end of the day, that's where it comes down with this whole Black Lives Matter. Everybody wants to just to you know when I say everybody, I think the people who are against Black Lives Matter want to latch on to this idea of a militia, of a group, of a like of a KKK Black Panther esque society that is trying to just overthrow a government or overthrow a king. But that that is that is simplifying it. The idea of Black Lives Matter is just to be a group that an idea that tells people who deal with this imposter syndrome of humanity that you are human and that you do deserve to live. Because sometimes we be unsure. I know I am. When I see when I see the consistent arguments and the consistent rebuttals of why a certain uh, person, unarmed person, should have died, like, oh, well, they shouldn't have done this. They shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have blinked. They shouldn't have smiled. They shouldn't have breathed. They shouldn't have talked. They shouldn't have lived. They shouldn't have done anything. It's like, damn. So there's there there are there's rules out there of things I should that I can't do to make sure that I, like I can keep my humanity. So now if I'm saying I think of some crazy shit like that, don't you think there should be some type of group out there that says, no, no, hold on, wait a minute, Mike. You do matter. Your life does matter. Black lives do matter. Because you might go into an imposter syndrome moment where you start to think that you don't. So that's where that's where the group and the idea is coming from. It doesn't. You don't have to focus on the t-shirts. You don't have to focus on the buttons and the people marching in the streets. Focus on the idea. And to argue with that is to argue with someone is to basically say no, no. Hold on, your imposter syndrome might not be in this. It might not be a syndrome. It might be reality. Now, why would you want to tell somebody that? That seems ridiculous. A way that they say to basically deal with imposter syndrome coming from these experts, these, this isn't from me, is basically finding ways to acknowledge uh, and critically question those thoughts. So, I mean, basically, I'm going, this 25-something, 30-something minutes of me going and, and critically thinking about it, I guess, is a method of me dealing with the imposter syndrome. It's kind of addressing it, putting a name to it, kind of realizing that I shouldn't, I don't have to feel this way. And even if I am feeling this way, I'm not crazy and I'm not alone. I'm not the only one. You're not alone. You're not crazy. If you're, if you just started a new career, if you, if you just started a new job, if you just got into a new relationship, if you just did, if you just started anything new or if you're in something that you've been a part of for 10 something years plus, you might be dealing with imposter syndrome every now and then. You might just had recently had a baby and you might be holding that baby in your arms and you'd be like, I can't do this. I can't be a parent. I can't do see, and that and those thoughts may come, you know, they may come off crazy to the to this this fucked up society that kind of gives us these weird ass rules. But that's not crazy. You just you're just having a moment. And learning how to process and deal with that moment and placing value in your struggle and placing value in, in criticism and value in, in learning and growing and knowing that you can't be perfect. You can't get 100% every goddamn time. And you shouldn't even want to get 100% because if you got 100%, to me, at the end of the day, if you live your life to 100%, that more or less means you're moving on to the next plane. Now, some people may reach that 100% at three years old. Some people might reach that 100% before they even left their mother's womb. 
Some people might reach that 100% and they, when they're 85, 89 or something, you know, and sick on their deathbed. But that, I, I, that's my personal belief is that the reaching, fulfilling your life to 100% means moving on to the next plane, moving on to the next experience. However, your religion or whatever your, you know, your lifestyle wants to tell you that that plays out. But that's 100%. We don't want to, I don't want to be at 100% yet. I still got some shit to do. You know what I'm saying? I'm still, I'm, I'm going to be at a cool, like, 42% right now. <laughs> That's why I ain't much shit going on. But I, I'm going to fill that up in a, you know, in a couple years, and I'm going to get there. But the, but the idea of being perfect, 100% perfect, is not going to work. It's not going to happen for me right now in this moment. So if you're dealing with imposter syndrome, uh, not, it doesn't have to be like how I'm going through or what I'm experiencing, whether it's you know the identity of being a black man. Uh, if you're dealing with imposter syndrome in any way, or you might be one of these identities of, you know, perfectionist, expert, uh, the natural genius, the soloist, superman, superwoman. If you're any of these identities and those things resonate with you, you, you're not, you're not irrational. You're not necessarily coming out of you know coming out of left field with this shit this is something that everybody different people experience so you know do look it up do some research and, and figure out a little bit more about about those feelings or emotions you have i don't know get a therapist get some therapy talk to your family talk to your friends talk to your co-workers maybe i don't know maybe don't talk to your co-workers because they be shady as hell but you know talk to people and and, and realize that there's a lot that you can relate on just some of these feelings and emotions can be real. Now, don't try to find out all the information because you probably you ain't going to be perfect at it because that's just going to drive your ass back into some more imposter syndrome. But look it up, you know. Figure put a name to this shit. The last thing I want to talk about is a TV show I recently watched uh, originally for BBC One, but it came on the HBO by Michaela Cole. Uh, if you don't know who that is, do your fucking research. Brilliant, hands down, brilliant and hilarious and thought provoking uh, writer uh, and and director because uh, and a producer because she directs and producer on shit. But she recently had a show called "I May Destroy You" that was um, that hit me and and all these different psychological places that I didn't even think that I was, you know, ready to deal with. The premise of the show is is a, is a little bit intense for, for folks who don't have these discussions or deal with these types of situations uh, visually or, or, or cognitively. And, but I will say that I do recommend it for those who are, who are ready to take that journey because I think she, she does a great job of storytelling, a great job of putting everything together um, with a different level of characters. So it, there's different things that can apply to multiple identities, you know, woman, man, heterosexual, um, queer, any, all these different identities kind of deal with these, are characters within this storyline. But the main storyline is going, it revolves around Michaela's character uh, named Arabella, who's basically like, she's like this from Twitter star or something, you know, very uh, topical to our generation and what's happening right now. But basically, she becomes a novelist. So that 
that hit me right away because I was like, oh, I'm a writer. So I'm like, this is going to be interesting. Uh, so she uh, basically is a, a millennial icon because she had this debut book come out. Everybody loved it. She Everybody knows who she, are, who she is. She walks down the street. People can like, some people can recognize her, want to take pictures with her. Cool. Um, so she goes out one night with her friends and has a wild night, like a hangover type night. But uh, you take out take out all of the, you know, all the comedy of hangover, that night results into something that, into a situation that is very hard to swallow um, for people who don't like talking about these types of things because it does, it involves uh, some, you know, it, it involves a, a sexual situation. It involves... Things that you know, I don't want to give too much away, but this this like trigger warning. This this show does deal with with sexual assault, with rape, with drug usage, with uh, alcohol. Um, so there's a there's a lot of there's a lot of very in, uh, intense topics, but we need to talk about this shit. The fact that we don't talk about it, and we always push to the side. It's why these situations are always so shocking to us. But basically, Arabella, with the help of her two friends, Terry. Um, and Kwame basically kind of pieced together what happened that night and then also pieced together situations of their own, in their own lives, you know, questioning like, oh, was this experience this or was experience that? Putting names to shit. But also overall, like the, the, I guess the background story, which kind of encompasses the entire show is the fact that she's a writer. She deals with this imposter syndrome throughout the whole show from the first episode to the last uh, of the season. She deals with kind of this imposter syndrome of her humanity because of the experiences that occurred to her um, in her childhood, the experiences that occurred to her that night, that 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 detrimental, that, that fateful night, and then to her experiences as a, a writer. Like, she's not able, not able to put the words together, not able to write the book. And, you know, she's sitting there like, oh, maybe not able to write the book because of A, B, and C. But all this stuff, Always different uh, emotions and thoughts that are coming into her head are all so real and tangible that I was like, "Damn, this show is, is just hitting me and all it's just hitting me in levels and places." I'm like, "I'm not ready for this," and I'm probably not going to get any recognition, uh, you know, through award shows and all that because people be scared of talking about this kind of shit. Or no, you know, maybe it might because for some reason there's some weird fascination with black people have going through intense struggles like they, they love seeing us get like beaten and abused and and, and drug usage and all that shit so maybe it might win it might sweep the award shows uh for that reason but it that that aside it is a, a great television to watch and it is great to kind of see a story told be you know by a woman um and it's just it's 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 very it's like, I, w- I would say I would go in, I would say it's very much like Fleabag. And uh, Fleabag season one, season two. Because um, that, that Phoebe Waller-Bridge, like, it's a story about a woman kind of, you know, dealing with that imposter syndrome of her humanity and of, does she deserve, like, you know, the, the love that you read in the storybook and the fairy tales and shit. So these these themes are so important. Because I, like, I feel like a lot of times we don't get to hear these stories. A lot of times men are out there, we like, we're out there trying to write stories for women. Like, oh no, this is what happens. 
you was, you know, you a little girl and you want to be a princess and you really sad until your fairy godmother comes, give you some new slippers and you go out and find a man and the man turn your life around. We always want to write those stories and tell the, tell the emotions of women, explain to them and mansplain all these stories. And then it's like, what do like, and then when they say, oh, well, you know, I had to come up with something because like, I have to create, you know, an idea. And it's like, you don't have to create shit. The woman's standing right next to you. Have her write it. Have her direct it. So to see Michaela Cole have this, this phenomenal ass show that kind of breaks down uh, imposter syndrome it and, and, you know, other heavier topics, obviously, it's, it's so necessary. And I mean, you can look at the reviews. You can look at the ratings if you like to do the Rotten Tomatoes shit. Uh, but everybody thinks it's great, so watch it. Now it is, it is uh, like British. So <laughs> they, if you if you're not quick at catching the other lingos and stuff like that, because you're just used to watching Everybody Loves Raymond or some bullshit like that, then I, I would say put on subtitles or something to help you out to catch catch up. But they are speaking English; it's just you know a different dialect. So you gotta you gotta be able to catch that. But I think it's such a necessary story of our time. Uh, yeah, especially if you like Fleabag and Pin 15, all those different types of shows. Watch this, because this, this one is, this is the HBO version, and you know how HBO gets. They, you know, they get they get grimy and gritty with shit, so if you're ready to, to take yourself on, on that very intense journey that might make you cringe up a little bit and grab the, the arms of your chair, uh, do it. Watch it. Don't second guess yourself, because that's, that's the problem. I, I personally believe with my own self, that's the problem that I see with a lot of my friends, my family, with our government, with our country as a whole. It's just all this, it's just second guessing, like, are we doing the right thing? And I feel like you, when you get to that point, you gotta, you gotta just, you gotta be ready for, to come up with an answer or formulate an answer that you might not be happy with. You can't try to bend it always to, 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 to fit your narrative. You can't bend it always to make yourself feel better. Because uh, the, the truth is, no, you might have fucked up. You might have done a shitty thing. You might not have been perfect. You might not have, you know, gotten 100%. You might not have gotten straight A's. You have some B's and some D's in there. But you got to be okay with that. Because the only way I'm, I mean, the only way that I'm going to learn how to work with to learn from my mistakes is if I make motherfucking mistakes. So, that's that's basically what it is. And that's all I got to say about that. Thank you for listening to Black Man in the Right World. If you like what you heard, please like, comment, subscribe, or leave us a five-star review. For more, go to www.blackmanrightworld.com or email us at blackmanrightworld at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye.